Hey everyone, this podcast is part of Story Mode, the podcast network of Gamefully Unemployed. You can support us and gain access to other great exclusive podcasts like Tom and Jeff Watch Batman by heading over to patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. That's patreon.com slash g-a-m-e-f-u-l-l-y unemployed, which is spelled like it sounds. All right, I'm talking quickly because it is time to begin. Oh my goodness, Dave, we're here. Oh, Look around shit. you. shit. Oh, fuck. Oh, good news, everyone. <laughs> Zoidberg sound. Zoidberg sound. Uh, <laughs> man, so I'm gonna, I want to start on Orthodoxly because this is a premiere episode of a brand new pod that is a joint venture between Small Beans, represented by me, Michael Swaim, and... Oh, shit. Gamefully Unemployed, represented by me, David Bell. That's right. And yeah. I, I'll just say, first, I just want to express how excited I am to just do a thing with you, dude. Same so Z's. Cool. <laughs> Man, we've, we've, I don't think we've ever, like, we've, of course, appeared together on podcasts, but right. we've never had, oh, like, plenty. any sort of joint venture. Uh, who knows, no. who knows what, what's going to happen, you know? Where we were the two driving forces or, yeah, right. the dicks in the hole in the ground. So exactly. We might destroy uh, each other. We don't know. I Yeah, I feel like uh, ev every comedian, especially in just casual conversation, is like a different musical instrument. Or, you know, Peter and the Wolf, like everyone has a different theme or a vibe. And I always wonder what kind of peanut butter chocolate combination I'm going to get. Like, improving with Cody is so specific. Mm -hmm. Improving with Daniel is very different. I just can't wait. So... Let's, uh, you want to tell people like what this actually is, what the combo of it all is? Well, I actually feel like you should, because you came to me right. with this. See, you're uh, already I, learning I one, tell of my, you... one of my ho hosting idiosyncrasies is to put the other host on the spot when I think I've spoken for too long. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't worry about that. Um, I, I, we're both big old TNG fans, right? There it is. He spilled the tea. Yeah. That's the big secret. Yeah, TNG specifically, that's what, okay. So it's a little rocky. It's first episode. It's a little unstructured. We'll get there, folks. Just I love unstructured. Uh, Me too. It's fine. But I, something I know I did want to do for the first time, and we won't really do again, is let's do a little backstory of our Star Trek cred. Like, what are your Star Trek credentials and relationship at this at this point? I just. We'll do this. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I, 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 I was actually going to um, frame this as. Just when I first heard your name, uh, being a fan of Cracked and stuff and seeing like you guys did a TNG rap. And I remember that very vividly. And I remember thinking, oh, these people like Star Trek like me. Therefore, mm -hmm. I like them. Uh, yeah, I grew up with TNG. It was like probably the first show I remember ever seeing. Uh, my parents watched it. I still have like an ongoing game where my mom will every now and then like text me a frame from an episode and be like what's this episode what's this called uh and and oh, like that's I, great oh yeah i used to that's be better fun. at it like naming the episode yeah. but yeah it's just been there my whole life and i i talking to you it seems like the same uh and for a lot of people i imagine mm, the same but different yeah so what's just for thoroughness sake and then you what's your status with ds9 and voyager the other ones we'll be covering in our purview really i have watched G ds9 uh it's been a minute i am now starting voyager i never really watched voyager i've seen episodes here and there uh, i 
I like my sweet spot again. I like a lot of people is TNG, mm. right? Yeah. And then the farther we get from TNG, the more astray we get uh, right. from from the core of what makes Star oh, Trek. What it makes it work for you. Yeah. Okay. So on my end, I definitely grew up watching it. My dad was obsessed and, you know, sat us down and we watched it like as a family and would have long conversations, which I think is what this podcast is going to be. And I'm so excited about um, mm-hmm. the philosophical core of like. So that was about justice. What do you what do you think about that? Do you think data is <laughs> sentient or what right. have you? And it was just a great way for my family to have essentially prompts to talk about something other than what happened at school today. Uh, and I loved it for that. I will say I I there's a bunch of blind spots for me. And I think because of the Star Trek rap, I don't want to overstate my credentials. So I watched TNG for the first time shortly before we came up with the Star Trek rap. That's why we came right. I was being steeped in it. And I was like, oh, I want to do jokes about this now because that's how comedians brains work. And and I haven't seen the original series. And literally 40 minutes before we started recording, I just finished DS9 for the first time. So my cheeks are still drying from the tears. Congratulations. I started Voyager and cut it. I paused it to record this. So, oh, and then the biggest thing is I didn't watch All Good Things. And to this day, I've seen every episode of TNG many times, but I've never watched All Good Things, the series finale. What? Because I think it would be too painful. And so I think I'm, I will have to watch it for this podcast. For what? The first yeah. That would be fun. I think, yeah. I think you might be... Like it's not it's not like the ending of Six Feet Under or anything. It's not like a tearjerker. I'm, I'm worried about what happens to Picard. But now obviously the sting is taken out because Picard exists. The I other think show. all good things. And it's actually been a minute because um, do you have this thing where like if you like I'm at this point with Star Trek where I don't necessarily watch it sequentially. I skip around. Uh, I have this similar thing with the X-Files oh, sure. where it's like mm-hmm. I've gone through the series so many times. So be- for that reason, often will you st- like skip the finale just on a regular watch? Because it always feels weird, right? right? To like, right. like stick that into a, a random rewatch. For that reason, I haven't seen it in a while. But f- without spoiling anything, I don't remember it being a particularly like sad episode. It's sad okay. because the series is ending. Know. But I remember it being somewhat uh, positive and uh, has a very interesting, I guess you could call it twist, not really a twist. Uh, so I'm excited. I'm very excited to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. We'll, yeah. Well, we'll get there. But before we do, there's a whole, at the risk of making the podcast way too long, there's a whole other component to this, which is another little show called Futurama. That's correct. And I will just say that the origin of this podcast, really what it comes down to, was a crystallizing moment because I am falling, re-falling in love with TNG. I just started re-watching it, and it really clicked in a way that it hadn't before as, like, now. And now DS9 has done it, too, where I'm like, this is an important show. Um, and, <laughs> and I was listening to you on a Gamefully pod. I forget specifically what series, but mentioning how other than things that are sub- like iterations of it, like the Oroville or whatever, uh, there's not a lot of, it's basically the utopic science fiction, 
since Utopia, literally the book that like coined the term, uh, which was sci-fi because it was, you know, about an island where they had special technologies and shit. So it was technically a sci-fi story about a theoretical utopia. Um, Star Trek is, and by that, I think we both mean, but correct me if you have a different definition, Dave, uh, sci-fi that takes as its basic conceit that generally humans will get better and better as the future goes on. So if you're going to predict the future, you're optimistic. You see what, if you were optimistic, what would the future be like? Right. Whereas the, uh, 99% of sci-fi is if something was terribly bad, what would it be like? I think the key, the key detail I always bring up about TNG and Star Trek of that era, I can't speak for discovery. I'm actually, uh, uh, for this specific reason, I'm not a big fan of all the prequel stuff. Because I think what was really amazing about TNG to DS9 to Voyager is that in, in those series, instead of defeating enemies, we would just assimilate with them. They would become... The Ferengi are a villain in TNG, and they are just on DS9. Uh, the, the Klingons were a always... villain. The, the process is always peace. It's, yeah, it's, that, exactly. it's not that we defeat anybody. Even the Borg we eventually get like a half Borg. And in TNG, we even get episodes uh, empathizing with the Borg. So that was always the, uh, poor Hugh. That's that's always the central idea behind Star Trek, right? Uh, as opposed to something like Star Wars, where it's like the enemy doesn't need to be eradicated. That's what made the Borg so scary is because they were the first villain that we couldn't really relate to. Uh, but yeah, just going back to that in Futurama, when I needed to sleep at night, uh, I used to put on a YouTube loop of the sounds of the Enterprise. Wait, what? Me too? Yeah. We've and never I, talked about this? No. This is crazy. I thought you were going to say I used to put on this show, and I was about to say I put on a YouTube loop of the sounds. <laughs> Ten hours. shit. Yeah. Yeah. We probably... Wow. It, you know those shows where they're like... All that time we were wishing on the same star. We were probably watch <laughs> sleeping in college to the same fucking YouTube it's, video. Probably it has yeah. like eight million views. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah. A genius, genius Mine thing was to put ten out. hours too. It's gotta be the same one. That's it has amazing. to be. Um and I think that stems from uh just the gut feeling since my childhood. I just I want to live in that world. I wanna live on the enterprise. Whatever I see the rooms that they have, I'm like, I Those want that. Carpeted room. starships. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that like retro future. Like whenever I'd go uh, to like Epcot Center at Disney or like Tomorrowland type future, where it's like, oh yeah, look at that bullshit. Look at that hilarious approximation of the future from the '90s. Uh, but I, I I realized recently that I feel similar about Futurama because of what we're getting at, which is that they're the only two uh sci-fi mm -hmm. that's just like the future isn't bad and i think we'll end up talking at length about whether futurama is a reflection of star trek and to what degree because it certainly is of its own admission so that you're you know what i mean like they make jokes that are like this obviously can't we are star trek nerds the people who wrote this right. are star trek nerds versus star wars nerds we reference star trek more we like star trek more there are and references are the fabric of the reality of Futurama. Therefore, they're like, there is, you know, they make the dupe in reference to the Federation. But now it's 
technically world building in Futurama, there's the dupe. Right. Uh, the diplomatic order of planets. That's it. Headed by a filthy neutral. Um, and so, yeah. So on the other hand, Futurama is the show that I think most defines my humor my style of writing if i could have written for any show it, i would have chosen futurama mm. over simpsons over arrested d which are the two other contenders like to me futurama is the pinnacle of the kind of jokes that i like so it was a no-brainer to get together do the show that we're now 15 minutes into and we haven't begun so let's we, start it we haven't even uh told people what the premise of the this show is is Star Trek The Next Futurama. Welcome to Star Trek The Next Futurama, an epic team up between gamefully unemployed and small beans. For access to the entire series, find us on Patreon. And now your hosts, Mike and Dave. Then the intro will play. Yes. All right, explain what the show is then. <laughs> oh, oh, well, That's the next. Well, Hey, listen, listen here. Ugh. What we're going to be doing, what we're going to be doing oh. is uh, we're going to be taking uh, a Futurama episode mm. and we're going to be taking a Star Trek episode oh, and we're yeah. going to be, uh, we're going to be, we're putting them side by side. Hubba hubba. Yeah. To dissect the fact that you can uh, match most Star Treks with much, most Futuramas in terms of their plot or their overall theme, we're going to be going in the order of, I believe, the Futurama episodes. That's right. Uh, now, to and that's simply because there are there are less Futuramas than Star Treks. Right. So there's a bigger pool of Star Treks to match with Futurama. I gotta say, it's this is never. It's not going to always be one to one. It's not always going to be these brilliant oh, matchups. Great. We've came come to our first argument. I disagree. I think every single one connects to a degree that will stand like you'll understand okay. why this is a brilliant idea for a podcast because it's amazing how they match and oh. they match in ways that I don't think are just well that's literally a reference to Star Trek that's why it matches no 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 there's shit that just they grew up on Star Trek and there's stuff that just oozed through their DNA that, into the scripts. That, that I, yeah, I definitely yeah. agree with you there is that, uh, there's an argument to be made, which is like, well, it's, they're both. Yeah. Futurama is inspired by Star so Trek. I'm over promising. So of course I'm, we haven't even done all the legwork, but I'm just promising now every single episode will match so well. You will shoot a loved one in the yeah. face. We will get a Nobel prize That's for right. this podcast. We're gonna uh, be laureates, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, yeah. I, I love symposia. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, is that all the brain dump stuff? Are we ready to do what would be a normal episode of the podcast once it's rolling? I think we are. Oh, yeah. oh I want to do one thing. Okay. Which is bring down. Bring, let me bring things down for a moment. Uh -oh. Talk a little business. Step into my office. Uh. It's Star Trek Futurama themed. This is free. You're listening to it, right? And we didn't get money from you. But eventually, this show will also be behind the paywalls, the various paywalls of our Patreons, and it will alternate as part of the combo theme. So that's how we get you. That's how we get you. Motherfuckers. See? 
if you want to hear every single episode of hundreds of hours of content this will ultimately be that we think will be delightful well researched we'll put our time in uh, go over to patreon.com slash gamefully unemployed and go over to patreon.com slash small beans we're brilliant we're Ferengis right now dude <laughs> There, so many people just went, God damn it. Sure. So it's time for our first segment ever of Star Trek The Next Futurama. Here comes a good news, number one. Good news. Number one. And this is a segment where we call out the pairing. So this is all about why, which episode of TNG, and we might bend the rules and go into DS9 or Voyager, but no others. Where we went with the pairing and what episode we finally landed on and why. Now, obviously, on the Futurama end, which is what we're doing the watch order in, it'll you guys, it'll become second nature. We're talking Space Pilot 3000, the very first episode uh, set in real time, I believe. Or wasn't it right around Y2K? When it, it aired? Was, it aired he, in 1999, right? It's definitely 1999. I don't think it's... Um because I just looked at it's it was around April I think okay. um, or March but, rather so we're right we're like right on the anniversary the turn of the millennia's Futurama set to debut uh, if you've been living under a space rock everyone was amped if they liked the Simpsons which was in its heyday and golden age at the time so every fucking one liked the Simpsons and this was the new thing from. A bunch of the Simpsons people, and here it comes at us. Now, Dave, what episode of TNG did we pair with this Futurama? We we chose the neutral zone, didn't we? We did indeed. The, Can you give uh, us the yeah, uh, what's the log line for which one boy, is the neutral zone? <laughs> this is a season one, uh late season one episode that I would argue is um you could you could say is a uh one of the less good TNG episodes. Uh, do you, one of the do you more hold forgettable with the ones. Do you hold with the classic wisdom that the show is not good till season three? Like you said, no. you skip around. Do you watch one and two? Oh no, two is two is a weird one. You know, because of the the weirdness with Doctor Crusher mm. uh, not being there. But there's Pulaski. some episodes I enjoy there. The yeah. you know that's when we when we meet Moriarty. Uh, that's but, true. You can't discount that. No, you can't. I. I For me, there's no bad season. There's definitely episodes where it's like, especially the last season where it's like, oh, yeah, they're running out of ideas. But there's a I always find a charm to a lot of that stuff. Same as I do with the X-Files. You know, I love every part of it, even the parts that are, you know, not not perfect. And this certainly isn't a perfect episode. This is the one where um, they have to go to the neutral zone. Picard does. I believe this is because both of, like, there's several stations have been attacked, right? Yeah, Romulans and Federation stations have been destroyed in the neutral zone, and they both think the other one did it. This is the the weirdness of this episode. This is the episode where it's like, the Romulans... uh, Get ready. Yeah. It's also the episode where they introduce the idea... The lore. They're like, they're just like Vulcans. But you know how they don't have emotion? The Romulans have too much emotion. And right. they have wild mood swings. They're maniacal. <laughs> so this is like the introduction to the Romulans. Yes. Um, but that's actually like the B story. Uh, mm-hmm. The A story is that 
I believe Data and Worf. One of them detects a yeah, Data and Worf. Yeah, a broken down um, Dorf, if you will. Dorf. Yeah, Team Dorf. <laughs> uh, they found this like broken down Boom. spaceship. First, first shirt done. <laughs> Continue, please. <laughs> oh, we're gonna be churning out shirts. Are you Hell kidding yeah. me? Uh, a, a, an old spaceship from uh, you know, like the 20th century, like around the time you might be watching uh star mm. trek and uh they find a a, a bunch of cryogenic pods that's uh, right dave but that's not all and this is what i'm talking about when i promise that every episode of this podcast will blow your mind they find three cryogenic yes. survivors two males and a female yep <laughs> and one of them is a heavy smoker drinker no Cunch- good nick country singer. singer yeah which is what bender <laughs> dreams of being um yeah we're we're talking about plot similarities here so i have to also That's point right. out that when Worf goes onto the ship he has a mishap with one of the automatic doors uh something fry has several times well in the space pilot 3000 the one i love is because it's just such a classic twist on the system he literally says oh one of those doors, yeah. just like Star Trek, oh, because yeah. it it closes from the top and smashes in its face. It's great. It's, it's the the gags are actually like the opposites because in um, Star Trek, Worf expects the door to automatically open and it doesn't, so he almost right. runs into it. Uh, yeah, and the cryopods uh, look pretty much exactly like the ones from Futurama. That's I didn't even think of that. They are just clear tubes, like yeah. the exact same design. And so, also, uh, the very first thing the people hear, which would you rather hear? This was a question I wanted to ask. Would you rather hear, welcome to the 24th century, or welcome to the world of tomorrow, <laughs> if you were frozen and you woke up? Would you rather have someone calmly say exactly when it is, or excitedly say, you're just in the future generally? I, I hate to disassemble like this question, but does Futurama exist in this world, in this scenario? Because I'd mean, much rather hear the Futurama reference when I woke up, because that'd make me know, oh, these people are cool. Oh, you'd assume society is still so coherent that they know are aware of Futurama. It can't be a million years in the future or whatever. No, <laughs> like, it's just I that if they, if they do the Futurama Welcome to the World of Tomorrow in that voice... I just know that whoever's doing that is a Futurama fan. And so right. they m- you kind of dodged the question. I meant if it really <laughs> happened to you, but sure. Okay. Okay. So not in a world where Futurama exists. Um, that's, uh, that's actually an oddly hard question. I think the world of tomorrow, because that means they're like psyched about it. I agree. Even though the other one has, you would know what century you're in immediately. I would be excited that I'm, it's just mirror neurons. I'm like, I'm excited. You're excited. Like, <laughs> oh, it's positive. That is the first thing I need to hear to allay my fears. I would much rather hear that than welcome to the 24th century, many penny. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I also wanted to point out, I mean, there's tons of connections, but uh, the one this makes me think of is both episodes also deal with establishing the series relationship to death. And I want to investigate both because they're both fascinating to me. So in Futurama's case, 
in Space Pilot 3000 in the A plot, Fry meets Bender and Bender is on the verge of suicide because he couldn't live after finding out that the girders he bends are used to build suicide boots. So that I know everything in Futurama is obviously a joke, but it does imply we're going to take it seriously. I'll never say this again because that's the premise of what we do here. Um, That implies a very particular like that's very Vonnegut, right? Uh, New New York has this sort of relationship with death where it's chill. It's yours. It's your choice. You can commit suicide if you want. There's even suicide booths on the corner next to Howard Johnson's. And in the Star Trek, this particular episode has Crusher say the line that for the first time, I believe in TNG references like how they think of death. I and love, I wrote this down too. I love that you're honing in on you wanna, it. Yeah. Give, read the line. Well, I don't, I don't know the first part. If oh, you've okay. written down the full, I know what she, how she references how we, th- the people of the past feel about death in the tone. It's so dismissive. She says cryonics. It was a kind of a fad in the 20th century. People feared dying. It terrified them. Yeah. Like as if it's weird. (laughs) As if it's fucking weird. It was like, wait, what? Like, so my question is, do they not fear death in the Star Trek universe? Does that bear out? No, it, it not quite because there's, Okay, there are. Worf doesn't fear death. I was about Worf to say, Worf celebrates death. Right. Uh, when Tasha Yar dies, and like Worf has talked several times about death and how, you know, death isn't the end. The episode where um, uh, Ensign Roe and Jordy have the transporter malfunction, uh, the next phase. Uh, the invisible people one, yeah. Yeah, the next phase, she also is believes in a clear, like an afterlife. There are different aliens that have very, very serious beliefs that death isn't the end, but humans don't seem to share that nearly as much. Um, there's like, there's like several episodes. There's like an episode where Picard is just like, "Fuck the devil," and like has to prove the devil doesn't exist. And I uh, don't know if it's skewed by the fact that they're all in the armed services or they're all patriots of the Federation, so to speak. Right. That's what's utopic about it. I. I guess is it makes you wonder, are these just the way Federation officers are? Or is that like how in our lives we expect emergency responders to be a little more like, yeah, I'm willing to die to save someone. Right. That's what attracted me to the job. Which I'm a always, hero. always makes the Enterprise messed up in my uh, mind because he also at one point, the guy, he's like, does he think the Enterprise is a cruise ship? He says something to that. But there's Extent? like 800 kids on it. Exactly. <laughs> and that's what's always messed up about the Enterprise is they're like, yeah, we have 10 forward, we have schools, but like, we'll go to fucking war. Like, if we need to. So and it's like, maybe you shouldn't have kids here. And that, and yeah. the thing that Beverly says, it's like, do you, do you guys not fear death? And is it because of, yeah, your society or it's because you guys are maniacs uh, flying through Worf space? Worf takes it hard when Jadzia Dax goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, which kind of flies in the face. And then that I wanted to ask the same thing, and it makes sense because these are this is the pilot episode, so they're establishing some rules of the universe. I think another interesting comparison point is uh, in this episode, in the neutral zone, literally the point is comparing, in both episodes, because that's why we paired them, the point is comparing the 20th century to what's the future like and what are the differences and similarities, right? And in Star Trek, The Next Generation which is under this utopic banner, 
you hear lines like you'd expect, like this is the 24th century material need doesn't exist. Or, uh, where's the one, uh, we, uh, a lot has changed in the last 300 years. We've eliminated yeah. hunger, want the need for possessions. Uh, I will say that character, um, Ralph, I believe his name is, he's the, the bender. The gr- the greedy no no that's uh sunny sunny clemens oh you mean the guy the, who clearly should pair with the cool 80s unfrozen business guy from Futurama. yes oh yeah. absolutely <laughs> but they spend way too much time not telling him about what has happened to that money. there's no money yeah, yeah they just like let him fucking work himself up and be like i gotta go back and find out if my bank still like uh, you know surely my bank still exists and they're like they could at any point be like dude we had world war three like it, there's n- there's the nothing Eugenics from your wars. time. There's left. no money, dude. Yeah. Just relax. But no uh, one tells him. They're real dicks about it. Until that. they finally tell him and they do it and Picard does it in a smug speech like right. you sicken me with your desire I, for money, which of course there isn't. You should have assumed there's no money. Right. You idiot. I, I also uh, love that they don't send they only send Troy later and it's like, shouldn't you like it, what is she good for if not this exact situation? Like yeah. they they like uh, at one point, he's like, Troy, you you go in there and take care of them. And it's like, how is she not the person who greeted them? Uh, That's, well, they don't send Troy out frequently. Troy is the cell phone of the Star Trek Enterprise. She would ruin so many plots that she has to just not work frequently. <laughs> right, right. Um, but my question is, does is there a can... What I'm really getting at is, is there a canon reason that... Ferenginar, I know this is somewhat off topic, or like the whole thing with Quark and Latinum and Ferengi, why don't they have replicators or why are they not a post-need society or is it an affectation that their culture chooses to trade money because they like it? Is it right. just a is choice? Is it a culture? Do you yeah, know you're the right, because, reason? I'm because sure replicators, uh, no I don't. It's, it is very weird because replicators should make their money completely moot. Uh, I mean, this is the thing about Star Trek, right, is that they always say, oh, we there's no money, we work to better ourselves. Meanwhile, there's, like, fucking waiters at 10 Forward, and it's like, but how do you get those people to be waiters? Right. Like, how do you, do you find people who are passionate about being waitstaff? Right. And because they, I got some news for you. No one <laughs> is passionate about that. I feel like they eventually landed on the idea that, well, some people seek authentic items because replicated stuff is different somehow. Like they often say the food doesn't taste the same or the drinks don't taste the same. Right. But interestingly in the neutral zone, the bender dude who died of cirrhosis of the liver. So he knows his way around a martini. The first thing he does in bender fashion, by the way, the only trivia I'll drop, uh, played by Tom Nuttall from Deadwood, the bender type dude. Oh, yeah. Uh, But Tom Nuttall orders a martini from the replicator and he says it is the best martini he ever tasted. Yes. Which is crazy to me because there's such a long history of people saying Cynthia Hall tastes like shit. Okay. So I had to. uh, Here's here's where I get into quality of seasons. And Mm -hmm. um, since I can't think of a, a, a specific example, well, besides what we're talking about, but like if you go back and watch season one of The X Files, there's a scene where Mulder is sad so he goes to a church and prays and that is probably the one of the most bizarre things when you know that Mulder is throughout the series like a, yeah. an annoying Stone atheist cold. yeah yeah <laughs> so like i think we got season 1 problems here right where they haven't quite figured everything out cuz if you remember the episode relics where scotty 
mm-hmm. uh, which I was another contender for this because it's Scotty, a relic from the past, coming to a time he doesn't understand. Um, he doesn't like the synth at all. Right. For the reason, yeah, where it's like, oh, yeah, this isn't as good. So I feel like some, they couldn't, they couldn't which they couldn't character, but there's someone yet. who's like, I don't like that it doesn't give me a hangover. Oh, it's the up the long ladder, the Irish guy who's like, right. you got to pay for your the sin of drinking or it's not worth it or whatever. Right, 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 right. So, like, I think this is just season one. They hadn't figured out the canon yet. Uh, Which and is were... weird only because the original series had already fully transpired. The show's overseen by the same guy, Gene Roddenberry, and... He wrote full-on technical manuals explaining mm-hmm. the lore of the... He did it D&D style. Like, he understood the world, and at least he had a concept of, like, these are different races and empires, and they right. act like... Like, he was into it to a nerdy degree. So I'm just wondering... It's interesting that I, it's not more consistent, and it leads me to, I think, what I'm exploring through the show, but I think will become one of my overarching theses on this show, is, like, art... Are they... Is it possible to not even, uh, is it impossible to achieve utopia? And is that reflected in the fact that it's impossible to even describe a coherent utopia? Because as a child, I thought TNG was fully utopic. Now as an adult, I see it as optimistic, certainly, but not a true utopia in some ways where I think the Federation has like a lot of issues and it's just another set of beliefs pitted against and, other sets of beliefs in the galaxy. Like when way, you get to the show with the Gamma Quadrant and then Futurama is intentionally that where it's like it is a future where all your wildest tech dreams even beyond your optimistic dreams have come true. Like humanity has increased its domain un, unthinkably optimistically but because it's a comedy everything sucks though. So like, what would you call Futurama? Is it an untopia? Like, it's I not think, a dystopia because it's not depressing. I think there's uh, an idea that's also in Star Trek, which is that we can advance our technology all we want, but we're still people. And, like, I think episodes like the drumhead of Star Trek, uh, where it's just like, yeah, people still suck uh, in very uh, similar ways that they always had. And Futurama, I think, is... that's that's at the core of Futurama because so many of their episodes, especially I feel like late season are reflecting problems of today and making it like, you know, half-assed like futuristic, you know what I mean? Where like, you know, the, the robots are causing climate change um, or the, the one where the, the perfect candidate everybody wants to see is earth certificate. Mm -hmm. Like they, they love pointing out that like, these things will always exist in uh, in the the most utopian future. And in this episode, the neutral zone, he mentions the Romulans to that country guy, and the country guy instantly takes to the xenophobia of the moment. Is is like, oh yeah, Romulans. We're not going to be inviting those to the party, will we? And the and the captain or whoever is like, no, we won't. And it's like, and oh like, yeah, you're it. both. I yeah. understand who we hate these days. Yeah, check. Yeah, <laughs> it's there's still an enemy. There's still well, and xenophobia. Yet, and yet it's so core to Star Trek, the next generation specifically. That's why it's the a plot of the pilot episodes uh, like the pilot of TNG is a trial for the soul of humanity that we win. So I do think at its heart, Gene Roddenberry's message that they wanted to express through TNG is 
I believe if the human soul were put on trial for all its flaws, it's more good than bad. Right. And this is a show about that positive message. I'd say Futurama Uh, is similar. I think so, because of the heart aspect maintained at the core. Although talk about we'll talk about inconsistencies, I'm sure, as we get into the Fry Leela relationship constantly stepping forward and backward and forward and backward and weird. Oh God, yeah. Um Okay. So we we're all over the place. We're we're still in the plot similarities section, aren't we? Yeah, we are. We're doing and maybe this will crystallize more as we do the show more, but this is supposed to be the segment where we're talking about the things oh. that connect them. Do you want to get into have, talking about well, the f- like philosophy of the episode? Cause this we're is, kind of verging this is hard because they kind of merge because I have something that's good for either. Did segment. you say Kittimer? No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Should we just, let's get into the next section. And then if it, if it, you know, if there's some stuff that sort of doubles back and merges with the first yeah. section, that's all right. Here we go. Bite my shiny prime directive. All right. And this segment's called Bite My Shiny Prime Directive. And uh, what that's supposed to mean is that we talk about the quote unquote prime directive of the episodes, like on the theme of utopia or the human, the merit of humanity in against the galactic backdrop. What was this episode trying to say? Uh, and what do we think about that? And also where we dig into each specific episode may be irrelevant of their connections, by which I mean there are Futurama lines I want to quote and they're not connected to anything. I just want to go, this line was good. Because right. if we don't do that, are we really hanging out talking about Futurama? <laughs> uh, I, I first want to point out, and this kind of this goes into the, the last section, um, is the, the, the theme of both of these episodes is about finding purpose right uh you got to do what you got to do it's about the idea that people have certain roles in their life that they feel obligated to be that the 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 weird rich guy like feels completely untethered when he realizes that there's no money as opposed to uh uh the country dude who sort of rolls with it which is very much like Bender and Futurama, um, you know, like trying to uh, being told you have to be a certain thing or you've <laughs> lost your identity in this new world uh, is a big theme of both of these. Although the uh, woman that Troy counsels, who ends up having an exactly similar arc to Fry her, and the Pilot. Yeah, she has her own she, Farnsworth. She literally has a line where she Googles... Uh, her name and goes everyone I've ever known is dead which Fry also does but then he goes <laughs> yeah. Uh, she does that and she finds her own Professor Farnsworth and the note they leave her arc on is wow he looks just like my dead husband and Troy's like yeah interesting right is she gonna bone her descendant I don't understand the, she might I, mean, I feel like not? it was an incesty implication but yeah fuck it it's the future man they, they can do whatever right. Okay, dude. That's Everybody's good to know. swinging in I'm the future. I'm glad we got your opinion on that out in the no. open in the pilot. Uh, but the, both of these episodes also, uh, going back to that feeling of like uh, comfort in these, mm-hmm. is that they, uh, and this isn't the only Star Trek that does this, where they do episodes where it's like, come with us. Where like um, the one where Riker gets uh, 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 trapped in an alien hospital and has to fuck his way out first contact uh, yeah that's the one the the lady at the end they're like come with us and she's like oh yeah 
And she does. Isn't that and the like, one that has uh, Maris from? Is that Maris, who that is? But, uh, you know, fucking on Frasier, Niles' ex. Anyway, I, sorry, I go on. Know. Doesn't matter. But I always, I always thought Tom. about <laughs> all, all those moments when that happens. I'm always like, oh god, that would be so great. Like, there's always a part of me that wants to get abducted by the Enterprise, mm-hmm. and because I think what that really means is it's a secret wanting to reset your life, right? Uh, to to r- get rid of a lot of weight or responsibility, and that's what's happening to Fry. That's what's happening to these people getting woken up. Where it's like, you, here's the future. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, and it's about I, how people react to that idea. Although blanks, in Futurama, yeah. it's like, here's the future. You have to do these things. Well, I also think it's about how it's just a shift in perspective. Uh, like Fry's arc can be summed up as I hate my life. I hate my life. I hate my life. Yeah. And then by the end it's, you mean I'm going to be a delivery boy? Exactly. I'm a delivery boy. Right. So it's, he's uh, which man again, it's my favorite comedy. So I'm going to gush a lot, but there's no more perfect deconstruction of the hero's journey than to have at the end of your pilot, the hero say the same line he said. It's mathematically perfect, you know what I mean? Oh, the yeah. heroes say the same line that he said at the beginning, but it means the reverse now. You can't because, do more opposite than that. Oh, yeah. Because the, <laughs> the only factor is choice. Is, is Now it's in the future and he thinks it's rad. It's yeah. like, yeah. And then in the neutral zone, it's done more it's less crystallized because it's a uh, drama but in steps in clunky increments uh all the cryogenically frozen people other than bender who's fine immediately come to terms with well now the future is now it's this now i guess i right. it's, i guess this isn't a dream basically and they just come home to it <laughs> meanwhile in the a plot we should have mentioned they find out that neither the romulans nor the federation have stepped out of line it was actually uh, some other mysterious force that attacked them, and I forget. I don't think we actually it find could... out in the episode. Yeah, I wonder if it's. I wonder if we're hinting at Borg here. I don't. I don't. I honestly don't remember. They don't reveal it this episode, and we're doing it out of order, so we don't know. Yeah, but oh it's well. a real mystery box garbage, is what it is. But man, I do love at the end. So so talk about how it leaves because we talked about how it leaves like uh, the Lele analog and how Futurama leaves Fry. Bender's arc also, I'm sorry, not Bender, but Tom Nuttall slash the TNG equivalent of Bender. His arc right. ends with a, him saying, uh, I'm going to be a folk singer again. And, you know, I don't care that it's the future. I'll play my same old songs. They'll be new to the people. Oh, I'll yeah. probably be a bigger hit than I ever was. And I love that Picard humors him. Picard yeah. says, perhaps so. Anything is possible. Are you kidding me? This dude's going to get eaten alive. <laughs> My we favorite. No, no one listens to folk music. It's classical or nothing, bitch. <laughs> You're or right. jazz. It's That's classical, like all they do. Yeah. Or like every now and then some like weird experimental sounding shit that they accredit to like some alien race. Or uh, Vic from DS9 singing uh, Sinatra songs. Like you right. don't progress past. There's no Bob no. Dylan. They don't no. do Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah. They don't want any of that garbage. Um, I, I love, by the way, that he asked Data to come along with him. Why does um, he immediately and, love Data? That's so I don't know, interesting. But I, re- I wish they had just take. They wish the series took a left turn and just Data went with him, and then we never saw Data again. Like that was just the fate of Data, as he just goes off to hang out with some country singer. Yeah. Um, uh, what he specifically says is. 
it's let's, some sort. Let's uh, let's you and me hang and find a couple of low mileage pit woofies to build yeah. a dream with, or something like that. Yeah, the guy is speaking in gibberish. <laughs> the guy's just speaking in Picard, tongues. Yeah. By the way, my favorite detail of this whole episode is how little of shits Picard gives about any of them. That's what this whole it's episode. It's so funny. It's so appropriate to Futurama too. Um, he is essentially going like. Look, I understand that a Lower Decks episode is playing out while I'm dealing with this. I don't yeah. care. Like, leave yeah. me alone. It's real. It's funny because it's like this is an amazing thing. If yeah, if so, he's he's like ready to punch that guy at certain points. But like that's this is incredible. You know, like if someone from like oh, what year did he say it was? He said it was like two thousand. 300 it was surprisingly soon to 2364 so like if someone from 400 years ago got unfrozen we would want to talk with that person we would be like that would be really cool and i love that picard's like whatever like he's mad that they even revived them and brought them on like he's mad that they casually bring some like three people back from the dead well he specifically says uh something along the lines of they were uh we unfroze captain we unfroze the bodies and beamed them over and he's like wait why why did you bring them here data they were already dead what could have happened to them worse well they were about to their ship was going to get pulled into the sun and he's still like but they were already dead which is amazing because obviously they are then brought back to life easily by dr crusher yeah which implies I don't that's so unpicard that the potential of their life being snuffed out he was like well it's after the 5 second rule I don't care about that life anymore right. it also or, um, does he hate people from the 20th century because this episode is maybe the harshest like it has a line uh they're strange people and they say yes nothing to redeem them it makes you wonder how we survived the 20th century. And uh, I understand that they got on the intercom and were a little annoying, but nothing to redeem them is a very harsh condemnation, especially when he never met the lady, like he never think, even interacted with her. So I think this has to do with the fact that it was written, you know, in the 20th century where like they were like, they're trying to take shots of themselves, right? right. Or like at the richest type of people. Because that's the thing about... Uh, the apocalypse that we don't like to think about is our apocalypse fantasy of like Mad Max. Um, everybody in Mad Max, they would be like millionaires because they're the people who survived. So they're the people who probably had bunkers. Uh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Like the people in the apocalypse, like your book of Eli's, et cetera, that, like including these people who are frozen they're all going to be rich pricks they're all going to be elon musk types uh and that's like such a bummer so like i do like that idea that they they like attribute it to the entire human race at the time they should it would have been more fun for them to play off the fact that they're just like rich people and i think that's kind of my argument that i'll have going forward with tng is that they go out of their way to be a progressive show. And it, and it, they are like all those series broke so many boundaries that are very important. And the messages are spot on, which is part of what makes it utopia is it was socially woke for the time compared to the stuff around it. And yet right. everything becomes dated. And I think one of the things lessons that like we've started to ingest to some degree is that races aren't monoliths and 
TNG still does that form of racism. You know what I mean? And I don't yeah. mean to even come down on TNG. I mean, racism in the true, like technical sense of like, it's funny how many times, uh, I can't remember. Someone will be like, how could a Cardassian do that? Cardassians. I never could have way in and DS nine. Sorry. I just watched it goes, uh, but the Cardassians can't do that. Founder, how could I have predicted that? All Cardassians are like this. It's as if they're playing Dungeons and Dragons and they're like, but his stat card said right. Klingon. He had to attack. And it's like, how many times have the characters proven that at their heart, they're individuals? Like, you know, yeah. everyone breaks out of whatever mold. And yet it's interesting that their method of navigating the universe is still, you have this kind of makeup, you're from this planet, I will approach you this way. Uh, your Ferengi, whatever. And uh, it's. I just think that's interestingly at odds with the idea of utopia. I think it's always, I think it's ultimately like a comforting feeling to look back at like the 90s version of what a utopia is and it for it to be dated. Because that means we're progressing, right? Yep. Like right. that's good. That's very good. Because yeah, Star Trek is like the, it's, it's woke for its time and it's still like, man... <laughs> That, that's that's problematic shit but you're absolutely right and there's that great shift in perspective it it's really you feeling that the human race is growing like seeing the difference so yeah it's a good because this is yeah we're supposed to be seeing like a very enlightened race mm -hmm. um and like it's still as enlightened as the 90s can get you know that's <laughs> right. that's it <laughs> that's how it's best. gonna be um i also just we i don't i feel like we breezed by it like when Tasha Yar got spat out by that goo and killed Armus. Yeah, why couldn't Bev why didn't Beverly just like revive her? Because they apparently can take people who've had oh, like liver course, damage yeah. and embolisms and like horrific death and like they've conquered death as we've learned in this episode. Never comes up again. No and one should I ever still, die. That's what I'm saying is even if you even if you conquered conventional forms of death. Even if you live a hundred thousand years, you could still conceptualize the fear of non-existence or being uneasy about you don't know what it's going to be like. Uh, right. It's just crazy to me to say we don't fear death, even though we still die. I would feel like only truly immortal beings would not fear death. Right. Or it or it implies when she's like it terrified them. It implies that it's just not an issue anymore, as we see yeah. in the episode. Where it's and like, yeah, oh, yeah, course. they used to fear death. Now I, it's like you know how we used to feel fear like wolves. It's like yeah, because wolves were a big right. problem. Sure. Yeah, it's like if you can get to a doctor quickly, the odds that you'll survive are incredibly high. But the show fudges that whenever they need to. I'm thinking of a scene where a shapeshifter puts a sword through a guy's gut and he dies within seconds, and it just seems like right. And they just finished saying Klingons have excess organs and it's impossible to kill them because the way their bodies are shaped. But oh well, you got <laughs> the special artery spot or whatever. <laughs> it makes you it makes you realize that they probably could try harder with most deaths, and they just don't feel like it. Uh, That's they're they've become godlike in the fact that their casual medical decisions are so powerful compared yeah. to our doctors now in our time try as hard as they can. But let's be honest, a lot of it is still luck and chance. And if you're had the right genetics for the thing that afflicted you or not. And they're like, well, we tried our best. The, Dr. Crusher can be like. I shouldn't have stopped to have a coffee from the replicator before I waved my whooshy wand over him. He would have been alive. Dang. Well, he's dead. <laughs> it's there. You get this feeling that they have a, the casual power over life and death for right. sure. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I guess they just don't give a shit about death. It goes back to they're just not scared of death, I guess. Uh, maybe they're yeah, in a let's world. See if that maybe we Yeah, maybe we've hit a point where they realize like, oh, yeah, we had a phase where we kept resurrecting everybody and we realized that it was like it was haunting. Like when people didn't die, it was a real problem. And we like decided to just allow death to be a natural that's interesting because the implication of the eugenics wars is that we did dabble with eugenics we uh or genetic modification and biomodification it is something within our technical capabilities and literally for the first time in the human history of humanity i mean we had a war about it but we event it's a technology we could do that we actively decide to not do because it's too unhealthy we're just like let's not in the 24th century there's just laws like we don't do it we don't genetically modify people. And uh, I wonder if you, if they could have gone through an off screen cycle of like, yeah, we also used to resurrect people really far after being dead, but it creeped us out. So now we only resurrect you if it's like a 10 minute rule. You know, if you've been brain dead for 10 minutes, we don't like to do it or something. Right. The, their version of the Supreme court, like figured out like an exact time in which someone can be resurrected. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's any of that's going to play out. That again, it's it's they have an episode where Worf gets paralyzed and they have no solution for it. They can conquer death, but like that, nope, can't do. Can't oh, do. Oh right, it. his paralysis can't be reversed. I thought I was going to say there was a solution: kill Worf. Kill Worf. <laughs> yes, that's his yeah. solution. Yeah. But you're saying why can't they? Well, She's can- like, well, the spine is. I forget. Yeah, I forget. So they do like they do. They do fix it ultimately. Yes, but it's very funny the levels of like every now and then they'll be like you have a broken wrist and they'll like zap it and they're like there you go and it's like wait what did you just do to that person who's like how do you know that the aliens stole time from us well because my wrist still hurts and even after you would have fixed it it's like but it didn't last time what the medicine is very incoherent i agree that's the thing here's what it is going going back to what you were saying about the utopia like falling apart um as you think about it more it's it's like santa claus right like when you're a kid you you just believe in something like that it's like magic and then the more questions you ask you realize oh it, it all falls apart it doesn't work that's kind of what this is is that I remember Star Trek just being amazing. And then the more questions you ask like this, the more you're like, oh, it's this is unobtainable, in, at least in the way that they're making it out. Yes. But and I guess I guess this is a not waste of time. Uh, if people are <laughs> unfamiliar, like the book Utopia, which the word Utopia comes from, the way that book goes is it's told from the point of view of a guy who is and this is from my recollection so but the gist is there who's like sitting in a port or a dock and he meets an interesting fellow from a far off land and the fellow's like i once visited a place that was a perfect society and he's like tell me about it and then the whole book is almost as a thought experiment what would be a perfectly just society he starts to describe like they live this way crime is punished this way if you and it's an author trying to look at their like moral code of the time in which they were alive and say, what would be truly fair and just society. And the name for the place was just utopia, topia meaning like city or village or whatever. And you just meaning like the one, the ultimate topia. Uh, So I just think we got to bear that in mind that that's the exercise here. It's 
someone from their own time and place trying to say the a direction we should head in, which is so interesting yep. because so much sci-fi is a warning like Big Brother, you know, yeah. don't head in this direction. Final uh, um yeah. Oh, final factor in all of this. It's still a TV show. So like it think conflicts have to happen, right? Right. And so like if if we truly were a utopian society, why would we even be going to space? Like why would we be starting wars at the neutral zone? We'd just be chilling out, right? Like if we were a utopia, part of being the a utopia human need to explore is what Roddenberry would say, yeah. Right. But I feel like that's just injected in f- so the plot could happen. Cuz uh, there's what even mm, Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Even in the episode um Star Trek Insurrection, they run into a race that's so advanced where they're like, we were once like you, but they like, they just hang out on their planet and better themselves the actual way Picard claims that we do. Right. That's, like they, it's a they're just like, yeah, like, we just uh, chill out here. Cops who show up and end up murdering you, but they're like, well, you escalated. And it's like, but the escalation was because of your presence here. Like there's a, so many episodes where Picard goes to a place and they're like, we're xenophobic and we don't want anything to do with you. And he's like, Oh, okay. Well, we were just being curious and all. I'm sorry. And right. they're like, we now shoot at you. And Picard's like, man, I really didn't want to do this, but we're going to decimate your society. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. There, uh, well, there's a lot of times. You didn't they... have to be exploring. Yeah. In clues in the episode clues, which is the one I'm thinking of. Right. They don't need to be out there poking shit. There's the one <laughs> yeah. with the space whale that they kill. Like, because, like, that's the ultimate thing is we we pretend to be very, like, or in, in the, in the, um, but series, they pretend to be like, yeah, ways. really high and mighty and like, we're, we're such a advanced society, unlike these like Klingons or other warmongering aliens. And it's like, motherfucker, you're out there participating. You're, <laughs> you're doing in these this. streets. Yeah. You're in these space streets. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like this, you're no better than anybody else. You're all, and we're all trying to push our boundaries further out into space like just be goddamn happy with earth just make earth better there's too many of us yeah earth's lousy with us. there's too many of us that's that is true uh where are we what's going on i part of the show are we at i think we're wrapping out this segment which i would like to do by just shouting out favorite lines and moments because it's like last train leaving the station before we won't get another chance So I want to point out that one of my favorite facts in all of Futurama is that Nibbler's shadow is visible under the table when Fry falls into the cryotube in the pilot, always was, long before Nibbler was ever revealed to be sentient and and a time traveler responsible for the cycle that gets Fry's Q-waveform brain to the future where it needs to be to defeat the giant brains. Here's my theory is that yeah. either that's an animation uh weirdness or they just knew at some point we were going to re- they were going to revisit it, right? They didn't know how with Nibbler, but they didn't know how exactly. I don't know if they even Oh yeah, you're right. They probably mapped out that season at least and Nibbler shows up a few episodes later. Yes. But I I figured it's even more broad than that that they were just like, "We're we're going to do time travel, so let's set it up now." Uh, but yeah, that's awesome. Good on them. Uh, let's alternate so I don't steal them all. Or is this not a, do you not find this as delicious as I do? I didn't have any like moments planned out here. Um, I just want to point out then the Futurama line where I knew 
this is a worthy successor to the Simpsons and right. it's sci-fi. So I'm going to like, I'm like, now we got a stew going. This is my, this is going to be my favorite show. It's right. the joke. What if I refuse? Then you'll be fired. Fine. Out of a cannon <laughs> yes. into the sun. <laughs> so fucking good. As a, as a tween, that is the line that got me in. I was like, I am in now. I like um, the significance mm-hmm. of the fact that the first real conversation Fry has with someone from the future is Leela. Um, I hadn't mm-hmm. noticed that the first time, but it's like, it's immediate. Like she's not the first person he he yeah. meets technically, but he's the first person that he has anything close to like a, any human conversation with. Hold on. Is that blimp accurate? <laughs> uh, why would a robot need to drink? I don't need to drink. I can quit anytime. Oh, it's so good. Uh, uh, and of course, we got to point out Star Trek connections. Leonard Nimoy and the pilot do the thing. I of don't course. do that anymore. He's just uh, a head in a jar. And then immediately after one, a, a quite subtle one is Samuel L. Jackson robot cop says, I'm going to get 24th century on his ass, which of course is a, I'm going to get medieval on his ass joke, but the 24th century is when Star Trek TNG takes place. So I love the implication that from Futurama's society's standards, Star Trek times were barbaric and medieval. That is excellent. (laughs) What a great detail. Everyone looks down on on the pasties. Oh, yeah. Everybody hates, I mean, fucking old New York underground. Yeah. From now on, I'm going to bend what I want, when I want, who I want. (laughs) (laughs) Which made me realize that uh, an interesting thing about the Futurama pilot is that the person with the strongest arc in terms of change is Bender. Because Bender at the start is not the Bender we recognize. He's about to commit suicide, which is a weirdly out of character Bender thing. Oh, I love when he Fry convinces Bender not to be a sad sack and to believe he can do anything he wants. I actually think secretly the Futurama pilot is Bender's story. And it's the story of the day he met a human who gave him the confidence to become jerkwad Bender, like the right. Bender that we know. I don't think he was right, like that before he, f- he met Fry. He goes to the suicide booth because he finds out that what he does creates suicide <laughs> booths. Yeah. And he uh, just wants to die and drink. Yeah. And then he meets a human who treats him as a friend. And he's like, this changes everything for me. Right. So he watch, says, do you really want to? Bender's eyes, and it's actually quite touching from Bender's point and of view. He says, do you really want to be friends with a robot? And he's like, yes, yeah. since I was six. Um, yeah, that's a good line, too. Yeah, that's a great fucking line. Um, my it's, favorite... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, it's weird watching also early season, because their voices are different. Uh, slightly yeah, different. Slightly. It's got It's got all those like early... And also, just hearing Bender say, bite my shiny metal ass, and that just be the punchline. That is, is his first line in the series. That's his first fucking line, yeah. Uh, it's just, it's quaint in a in a nice way. And then I'm always, what I'm always looking for is what I call a cascade, meaning a series of lines that go set up, punchline, 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 where every subsequent line is a setup playing off the initial, is a punchline playing off the initial setup. And I learned that from Simpsons Futurama writers. And there's a great one in the pilot, which goes, uh, Bender and, I'm sorry, Fry and Leela tenderly touch hands. Bender puts his hand in, on their hands in like improperly. Uh, <laughs> she says, what's the matter with you? Setup. He says, I just wanted to be part of the moment. 
Punchline. She says, hey, he stole my ring. Punchline. He says, sorry. Well, that solves the mystery of the missing ring. Punchline. That calls for a drink. Punchline. He pulls out three beers and drinks them all himself. Punchline. That's so good as That's, a run. Yeah, that has to be the best moment of this episode. I yeah. I watched rewatching it. I I laughed still. Like it's so fucking good. That's the, the mystery he stole of the my missing ring. ring is brilliant. Because yeah. <laughs> that also that perfectly sums up Bender as a character. All of those moments uh in like 30 seconds. It's uh so good. Phenomenal. All right. Well, speaking of summing shit up in 30 seconds, uh no, that's not true. There's a whole nother segment after this. But <laughs> let's do our short and quick segment. Which is called Play Clip Now. Warp 9. Knock it up a notch. Maximum warp. Take it so. Engage. No, don't engage. Um, Energize. And this is the segment where we uh, just argue briefly, unless we just agree. But I just want to boil down, like, what do you think the shared theme was? Who, Who do you think did it better and why? Which show wore it better? Um... In terms of, I guess, I what are the parameters of what what we're judging them on? Is it the subject of um, people being unfrozen in the future and dealing um, with that? I don't. I feel like from listening to you, I I got the impression that your thesis was about the idea of change of uh, your circumstances changing from the past to the future and how that reflects your role like your assigned role in society and right. having that in context stripped with the away from you purpose and so i i would say but no you matter you should say whatever theme you want to i say. would say no matter what the parameters it's the it's um the futurama did it better i think mainly because we're dealing with a less good episode of tng uh okay I think, or the theme that I keyed into the most, uh, or resonated with the hardest, was the idea of, which is saying the same thing in a different way, but the way it came through my brain was like, staying in the same place but changing your perspective. That is the nature of time travel, and it is the nature of how these character arcs play out. Yeah, so uh, getting better, getting better all the time, and changing your perspective, changing your reality by changing your perspective. Who do I think did it better? You're right. I want to say Star Trek, but I but it's Futurama. it's space pilot. Yeah, it's it's a yeah. terrific pilot. I want to say Star Trek because it takes itself seriously, but I actually find those poignant lines or the pointed lines like uh, they're irredeemable, kind of like clunky and weird. Whereas Futurama's is super elegant. Yes, hooray! I'm a, le- a delivery boy is poetically perfect. I I I think. Um, when you're talking about making fun of the past through like a scenario in the future like this um and and just talking about like i don't know like it just feels like futurama is always going to be better because it's a comedy and it's easier to make points without it feeling really sweaty whereas star trek is serious and when comedy comes up in star trek it's it's kind of the worst parts uh, yeah, but I expect Star Trek to win handily in a number I think of cases when, it, when the theme yes. is actually important and really when this, matters. When and we're Futurama talking about just like, blew it off. yeah, yeah, when I think 
you were talking about how Gene Roddenberry has this like very elaborate, you know, he planned it all out. I think the mm-hmm. thing he doesn't, he didn't think about, and I have no evidence of this. I just suspect it is the human factor, and I think that's where, like, like we're talking about how, you know, do they like Synthahol, Hall? Do they not? I don't think he ever thought about that, and that's yeah. what the writers of Star Trek are filling in the blanks. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I think Futurama is going to be a lot better when it comes to dealing with emotion. Uh, Whereas Star Trek's going to be a lot better when it comes to dealing with, like, you know, crazy sci-fi ideas, time loops, and so on. That's my guess. Well said, my friend. Well, space, it seems to go on forever. But then you get to the end, and a gorilla (gasps) throws barrels at you. Which does bring (laughs) us to our final segment called something like... Open hailing frequencies. Frequencies open, sir. I don't want to live on this planet anymore. And this is our fan Q&A segment, which I am super excited to have because uh, Small Beans doesn't do any shit like this. And I always right. feel bad. So I, I love you, talking to fans. Are you curating this? Because I, I am. Okay, I made time a, I figured you would. All right. All right. Perfect. I made a note. Just not to look at any of the fan, fan questions. Okay, gotcha. Uh, well, I'll be honest, I'm freeballing it. Like, I'm just looking at the tweet I twatted and saying, all right. what is a good question? And Oliver Allen at Another Pond Duck asks If you had to send only one episode of Futurama and Star Trek to the aliens, which would it be? Well, obviously, the inner light. Uh, for Star Trek, because that's literally about aliens sending out a message. Oh, that's uh, a good call. Yeah, so there's a lot of there's a meta quality to it. It's also just what is commonly known as uh, like the best uh, Star Trek TNG. Yeah, that's episode. the one where Picard it learns the flute. In case you yeah. are having trouble placing it. Yeah. Damn. Uh, I need a moment for Futurama, though. All right, then I'll go and we'll do a Dave sandwich. I would do Measure of a Man because I love courtroom drama and I think Data, I know this is not, hey, my favorite X-Man's Wolverine. Sorry. Surprise, surprise. Data is my favorite. I know he's the obvious one, but he's the best one. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) so I'd do Measure of a Man and then for Futurama, Unusual answer, because I know I love the dog episode. Don't get me wrong. It feels important. I also love the brother episode. It feels important. But after, uh, I mean, for personal reasons having to do with my own relationship with my mom, the one that actually gets me from Futurama is the one where he inserts himself into his mom's dream and her dream becomes real and she actually gets to hug him in the past in her dream. That's I'm late season. Up. Yeah, that's, that's late a great series, one. and people consider it an inferior touchy feely one. But I don't. That's the one I would send. Yeah, I think I would uh, go the other way, and I would do. Uh, I think like Roswell that ends well. One of the ones that's uh, just fun, mm-hmm. uh, and also, uh, I just find that episode extremely funny, and uh, it's also about aliens. And it'll Hell warn yeah. them to stay the fuck away from us, right? Because we'll we'll cut them open, and we'll, <laughs> they can see our might with the nukes. It's got everything. Oh, here's a good one. Down home chicken at Chicken Random. You know, down home chicken. Bacock asks 
If you could swap one character from each show to the other, which ones would be the best oh. fit? Yeah, who are you swapping right. crews? Best fit? Best fit or funniest, they asked. It's either okay. Either or. Best fit, I feel like um, Leela would probably do fine in a TNG universe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's a Kirk. She's a for Kirk. For sure. Um, fuck, who... I kind of want to put Worf in Futurama because I feel like he'd also fare surprisingly well. Um, I want to put Q in Futurama because ooh. I think Q is the most cartoon-like and already exists in a world of inconsistencies and logical fallacies, which would be fine right. for him. And uh, I also think John Delancey's pretty funny. Sure. And then I would definitely... Because we're already rotating the doctors in and out. And the doctor's always a gimmick character in Star Trek. Like, oh, it's a hologram doctor. Right. Oh, it's a so-and-so doctor. It's a sev- it's a Borg or whatever. So you got to go Zoidberg. Season two, Zoidberg, Zoidberg yeah. in for Pulaski. I think that would be amazing. Oh, shit. <laughs> that would be, oh, not knowing anything about human anatomy. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's good. Doesn't great. need to, really, in the Star Trek universe. No, it doesn't need on. to. Yeah. Not oh, here's a good one. Kieran Dixon at Magical Dork Boy asks, who would win in a fist fight between Data and Bender? Oh, th- I don't think that is a good one because I would say hands down Data, right? Are you? Do you think Data, are you assuming Data's will? I feel like Data would be like, I shall not fight you, sir. Oh, yeah. And but Bender he would, would shoot him or he something. Would disable, he would disable Bender easily, though. The, Data is the more sturdy. Bender is clunky. That's the whole thing about Bender. He's not a very good robot. Uh, so I feel like um, Data would easily incapacitate okay. Bender. I'd give it to Bender because I think he's going to play dirty. He's going to play I dirty? Think, yeah, I think he'll just cheat. Which By I don't the know way, if I'm allowed to endow him with cheating, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm going to bring this up a few times, but it's no one really appreciates how deeply terrifying Data is. Like, from the perspective of, like, going back, like, to the movie First Contact, where she's in the silo and she's shooting and doesn't know what data is, and he Mm. gets shot a million times and keeps moving, and then jumps down and is just like, hello. And he speaks so calmly, and, like, we know he's fine, but she doesn't. He could be about to murder her. He could be, he seems like a demon. Oh, he dude, is it reminds pale, me. <laughs> invulnerable, yeah. and calm. And the calmness is the scariest part. A robotics lab just invented this inflatable snake fiber optic eyeball robot. Oh, I saw. That they can send into rubble to like rest. And it can, it's like a tentacle at, with a camera at the tip. So it can weasel into rubble, see you with the tip of its eye, and then like lift the rubble and save people, right? So when it finds you, it means you're saved. But imagine being like under a rubble and a robot tentacle with right. a camera on the tip comes in. You're not going to be like, that is the, those are the rescue workers. No, you're going to be like, oh, great. <laughs> they have robots now. Great. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, that's, that, that's literally like War of the Worlds, uh, that scene with, with the fucking tentacle. That's, uh, oh, yeah, I got to watch that. Eh. No. Okay. Oh, it's a Spielberg film, so there's All a level of quality. It has the longest Tom Cruise running shot of any Tom Cruise running shot. Honestly, yeah, and that is a good scene. I, War of the Worlds is pretty good. It, it 
it's just it's it's pretty good because it's Spielberg, right? Like it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's fine. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna knock World War of the Worlds. It's fine. Go watch it. Ian Henry at Hood underscore Ian says, "Which Star Trek or Futurama character would you have most liked to have seen get their own spinoff show?" And I'm gonna challenge us to pitch a premise of some kind. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, I'm gonna well, limit it to TNG because otherwise Quark would win. But that's yeah, too obvious. Um, this also feels too obvious. But Guinan. <gasps> oh, like a listening show like yeah, Guinan sure. through the ages listening Guinan to different through people. the ages exactly Guinan yeah. like kind of like we, we'd have her hanging out with Mark Twain all that shit it's quantum leap but she earned it because she yeah. actually lived through you just cut to any point in her life that's interesting oh yeah you could do like it's a meditative process where it's like old Guinan looking back mm-hmm. of like times in her life and each episode is a different era and different moment of her adventures because she's so old. So you can have cameos from TNG people. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I got to go La Barbara, Hermes wife. Oh I shit. Is the character from Futurama. She is funny. That gets the least play that makes me laugh every time. Yeah. So I would probably expand on, I would do like a really like raunchy, reality leaning thing about La Barbara being torn between Hermes and Barbados slim back when their bodies were like tight limbo bodies, you know, champion limbo bodies. That's what I want to see like a love Island or a paradise Island, but with La Barbara as the bachelorette or what have you. Yeah. That'd be good. Or, uh, or like a spunky Amy Wong, like at school. Cause I always, cause it's crazy that they say Amy is, Their establishing thing for Amy is she's the professor's unpaid intern who he hired because she has his blood type. (laughs) Yes. And then she stays part of the gang for seven years and they never really explain like why she gets to keep hanging out or what her deal is. So I could see I could see more backstory. There seems like there's room there to flesh out Amy. You know what? uh, Amy makes me laugh with her guzz and her buzz and her zuzz. I feel like the obvious Futurama Go. one, it, the mm-hmm. obvious uh, Futurama, I feel like, is Zap Brannigan, right? Like, Well, now you got Star Trek, the original series again, right? Right, that's true. But him going on adventures and so on and so forth, like that just, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Kiff and Worf is a good pairing. Ooh, yeah. Kiff would also love Star Trek world. I think that's Kiff true. Would, where would, things actually are the way he acts wants like them he to expects be. them yeah. to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those are the best ones. No, sure. thank you for all your questions. Uh, I I would ask more, but well, I we should we should um want to. Uh, I don't want to. Yeah, run out. Is that what? Yeah, you're exactly. Say? Yeah. yeah, we we should spread them out, right? Because there's some questions that I'm like, Ration someone will ask them. that question again, and we should do it then, and it'll be great. Yeah. But please write in. We love to hear from you, and yeah. we love your great questions and comments about Star Trek slash Futurama. Now where, you know what the show is, so you where, can. Where should they write in? Should they don't just tweet to us all willy nilly? No, I uh, think every time before we're going to record an episode, we'll probably tweet 
hey, we're about to record an episode. You got any questions for us, right? Yeah. Or just That's leave a comment, right? Like wherever you're listening to this, if there's a comment section, maybe, yeah. maybe we'll look at them. I don't uh-huh. know. Eyebrow ri- raise. Maybe yeah, 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 yeah. Visit our Patreons. Our or like ma- mail them in like a letter. Write us a letter. If I got a letter with a Futurama Star Trek related question, I would read it. Yeah, All I would right? probably you got read me. It. Are you yeah. happy? You broke me down. <laughs> um, well, we're both hosts, so we both are probably having the impulse to ask the other one, where can people find you? Oh, are we are we we're at end? the end? We're at the end. I think we're done, dude. Okay, what if we how many plugs do you have? What if we alternate or like we say them at the same time? No, that's probably not good. It is Let's. Uh, I can't tell if you're joking or not, but we may. <laughs> is there anything you're excited about that Gamefully Unemployed has on the horizon? This could um, be. A I don't know when this is coming out, but like um, uh, the... two days from now. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Um, we're uh, you... we're covering the Zack Snyder cut of the Justice League <laughs> yes. right now, and Tom and Jeff watch Batman. You I, are I covering actually, the shit out of it. I haven't listened to our own episodes yet. I'm waiting because what? I. That's a. F- yeah. Well, I'll explain. I, okay. I, I, I haven't watched this Snyder Cut yet. I'm waiting because I'm going to be a guest on the final episode, and I don't want to watch the Zack Snyder Cut more than once. Ah. So I'm waiting until right before we record, because that shit's going to leave my body after I see it. But yeah, uh, I also want to plug this show that we're doing uh, right now. Uh, and so, yeah, just go to patreon.com slash unemployed. And you see all our all our junk. That's it. Yep. And you can check out the other half of the apps over at patreon.com slash small beans, where we are currently working on, let's see, a second episode of Beantown, our audio sketch series. That's probably the thing I'm most excited about that's coming out soon. I uh, I have goosebumps now. <laughs> no, Beantown's fucking amazing. Beantown's uh, very fun. <laughs> yeah. It's perfect. It's perfect. Thank you, dude. I love it. Uh, and I love this, and I love what we've done here. Yeah, I and no I, I love Star Trek. This. Yeah, I do. Keep watching the skies. Let's not go with that. That's terrible. This has been a Small Beans endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The Beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the Small Beans grow into huge, giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you!